for your Holy Spirit. I pray, Father God, that you will open our hearts, our minds, as we partner with your Holy Spirit. Thank you that this is a daily thing that we can do with you, Lord. And Father God, I pray that you elevate these moments with you, Lord, uh, beyond even now, that our lives will be worshipped um, in spirit and truth. Let it be sweet incense to you, Lord. I want to thank you. I want to thank you for um, your presence here again this morning. We can't thank you enough. So uh, as we close, uh, as we find our seats, um, let us keep our hearts open to receiving what the Lord has. Uh, we have a, a word that we can receive through his servant, uh, Joey, who is going to share the word with us. Can someone maybe bring the, what we call it, the pulpit? Father God, we just want to thank you for, Joey, thank you for your servant, uh, and thank you for the gift that he is, Lord, uh, that we can receive word from you, that uh, we can be more discerning, more wise, um, and that uh, our, our, our spirits uh, can hear and uh, we take hold of the truths that you have for us, Lord, that we can partner and walk this road with you. So I pray for a blessed time, keep our hearts open and our ears inclined so that we hear what you have to say, Lord, uh, through your servant, uh, Joey. Uh, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Conroy. Morning, guys. Lovely to be with you again this morning. And uh, yeah, just a privilege again to be able to share his word. And thank you, Lucas, for giving me the opportunity to do that again. And um, Lucas, uh, I sat with Lucas on Tuesday at a meeting, and um, I've been hearing a lot from Andrew talk about the one, and reaching out to the one, and um, when Joe mentioned uh, Matthew 28, about going to uh, all the world and make disciples of all nations, um, he, he, Joe said the one about like 10 times, you know, reach the one, reach the one, and that's been going around in my, in, my, in my heart, and I said to Lucas, yo, that's just been on my heart. So Lucas said, you know, well, you preach this Sunday, and I'm like, oh, I wasn't kind of ready for that. And I'm like, okay, let me, let me go find material on the one. And I, I, I thought about, um, you know, the, the, the woman with the, um, the issue of blood. That's, uh, you know, she's the single person in the crowd. The whole crowd is there, and, but Jesus sees the one. And I, I thought about... Um, uh, Paul being reached by, um, I can't even remember his name now, it's not, is it Ananias? That went, it was Ananias, uh, but um, Paul goes and, and prays, uh, Ananias goes and prays for Paul, one single person, and later on that single person goes and uh, writes, um, you know, more books in the, uh, in the New Testament than anyone else. Just an interesting point, and Mark uh, Mark Baker points this out. Apparently, Luke wrote more than Paul. So if you take every single word, because he wrote X as well. So just hashtag just saying. So, but, but certainly, Paul wrote more books uh, the, than any other author in the New Testament. So the, the power of the one, and I thought, okay, let me bring up these stories to motivate us uh, to, to go after the one. Because sometimes it can be hard 
to be motivated to go after the one. You know, I can go after this one. <laughs> this one is sometimes, I'm talking about myself, this one here is, is sometimes enough. Like I've got enough uh, issues and problems to think about without having to worry about someone else. So how do I motivate us to go after the one? And I was, I, I did about four or five pages of, of fairly standard preaching, but it just was not lacking something. And the Lord said to me, go do the dishes. And for me, uh, amen, the presence of God is often around the kitchen sink. Uh, I, that's just me. I'm not saying that that's going to work for you. It's just my thing, okay? The, the flesh suffers, the flesh dies, and then the spirit comes to life. And, and, and as I'm washing the dishes, I wasn't really expecting anything. Remember, I'm trying to come up with a motivation, and, I, and the Lord just said to me, um, created in his image. And I went, what is that? And I looked at Genesis 1.27, which we can bring that up. And it says, so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. And I'm going to go somewhere and connect to the one. So what does that actually mean to us that we're created in his image? Does that mean that we look like God or that God looks like us? Like, does God have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth? And, and he looks like this, and that's what it means that I've been created because I kind of look like God. Is, does that what it means? It, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And I'll, I'll show you why. So if we, if we look at that scripture in the, in the wider context, and it's a big chunk of scripture, but it's going to be worth it for you, Genesis 1, 25, 27. So you read two verses before that. It said, God made the wild animals, okay? Dogs, cats, I know you all got them at home, according to their kinds. The livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds, and God, God said that it was good. So God makes all animals. Nepheth, Chaya is the, is the Hebrew. Nepheth is creature, and Chaya is life. They've got the life force. They breathe like we do. We know if you go home and put your dog or cat next to you, and you can hear them breathing, and you can look into their, their two eyes, and it's almost human-like, you know, that, that there's emotion there and, and love there. And... Um, but uh, God just says it's good. That's all he says. And then we carry on 26. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image. So he doesn't say, let's make animals in our image. He makes a distinction there. So basically, we are suddenly distinct from animals. Animals are made, and, and God just says they're good. But he says that humans are made in this image. Now, animals are very similar to us. I mean, there's many, many physiological facets of an animal that are very close to what we are. But there's something different about us. And what is the Scripture saying? There's got to be something more than just the physicality of what it's referring to when God says that we are made in the image of God. What is that extra thing? Um, let me see where I'll go with this. Um, animals do not have a spiritual nature. And I know that uh, some of you are going to be bummed about that because you're wondering whether Fido goes to heaven or not. But um, the reality is that's what it speaks about. It speaks about animals having the same body like an earth suit like we do, but that there's something extra that we have, and that's the spirit man inside. 
And that is the thing that it talks about the image of God. The image of God is created more than just the physicality. The spirit, the spirit man that is conjunction with us, we have body, soul, and spirit, that's who we made up, is, is a reflection of, of, of the image of God. And why this is important is, is that it's important that we understand when we look at the one, what that actually means. Because every single one is made in the image of God, body, soul, and spirit. There's a story of Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, as many of you know, she's not alive anymore, but she reached out to the poor in India. And India has some of the most wretched beggars that you will ever see. Has anyone been to, I know Joe's regularly in India on business trips, but has anyone else been to India and seen the state of some of the beggars there? In fact, the beggars are, are, are so wretched that some of them actually cut off their limbs so that they can actually have, people can have more pity on them so that they will actually um, receive more money. Um, and Mother Teresa was reaching out to these beggars. And one day, um, someone asked her, what motivates you to reach out to these beggars? And uh, her answer was, because I see the image of God. And you can imagine as she's looking and she's seeing these little human beings, uh, maybe underneath rags in the street, um, maybe at the train station, just they, they almost don't even have, the, the, they don't, they, they're almost barely human in terms of they, they're so far from, from, you know, a perfect being. Sometimes limbs missing. She saw something deeper. And what she saw in them is she saw the spirit man or she saw a remnant of the spirit man. And when, when we were made, when it says Genesis 1.27 that we are made in the image of God, it's referring to Adam and Eve before the fall. And before the fall, Adam and Eve would have reflected God perfectly in, 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 in spirit. And um, so if I can look at God as, um, if we have to ask, well, what does God look like? Does God have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. Well, the, the Bible says in John, um, uh, in Colossians 1.15, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So we know that God is invisible. Could I grab some water? Yeah. <laughs> Thanks so much. Thanks, Lucas. It says that, um, that Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. So we know that God, the Father, is invisible. So God, the Father, doesn't necessarily have two eyes, a nose, and a mouth. We know that Jesus and his glorified body does. Okay, but God, the Father. But um, the humankind before the fall ref reflected the nature of God spiritually. And that's what, that's what Adam had, and that's what was lost after Adam's, Adam and Eve sinned in the in the. Um, in the garden. And the Lord wants to take us back there. So when we see the one there, we see a remnant of what was before. When, when Mother Teresa sees that human, that human being there underneath the rags, she sees what was there before, before the fall. That there, there is a remnant of the image of God there, but that has been lost, and it's been lost through sin. And sometimes if we look at the exterior of the body, maybe some of them are missing limbs, maybe some of them are diseased, maybe some of them are sick. When we look at the exterior, it's almost a picture of the interior. 
That spirit man has been, uh, has been marred, so it no longer reflects God. So every single prayer, okay, let me just keep on going here. This is a tough preach, but I'm trying to deliver it as best I can. Um, Ecclesiastes, 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 uh, 3.11 says, uh, He has set eternity in the human heart. Um, when Mother Teresa looked at those human beings there, she sees something else in them. And there is some pattern of eternity in their hearts, but it's, it's, it's dead. It doesn't come to life. And that's the potential of the one. And only as we're born again does that spirit man truly come to life and we start to reflect his image again. Ephesians 4, to 24 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God. So we can see here when it says to put on the, the new self, we're not actually in that point getting new bodies, but we're getting a new spirit that's created off the likeness of God. So at the point that we get born again, that is the point where God's spirit comes into us, and again we start to look like God. Again we start to look like the image of God. So when Mother Teresa said that she sees the image of God, it's only partly true. She sees a remnant of the image of God. And when we look at every single unbeliever, we actually see a remnant of the image of God. They, they no longer look like God spiritually, but there is potential for them to look like God. And that's the hope. And this hope is spoken about here uh, in Ephesians 4.22. Again, uh, it's, to, um, it's put in the new self created after the likeness of God and true righteousness and holiness. Uh, 2 Corinthians 3, 17 to 18 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all who, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So when Genesis 1, 27 talks about creating His image, it doesn't mean the physicality. It means the Spirit. It's it, the, the, the Spirit man inside. We know that this uh, body here will, will die, but there's a spirit man that lives on. And does that spirit man reflect God? It says that we are being transformed into that image. We are transformed to look more like God and, and to reflect God um, as we are born again. What does that mean about reaching the one? It means that every single person is important. Every single person carries a remnant of the image of God. And every single person has the potential to reflect the image of God again. Andrew often says to us that um, we should come to meetings to give and not to receive. And um, uh Acts 20, 35 says, um, Paul spoke, uh, speaking, it says, And everything I did, I showed you that by this kind of hard work, you, we must help the weak. Remembering the words the Lord Jesus himself said, is more blessed to give than to receive. And, and this is the pivot point, because um, when we talk about 
reaching the one and reaching the unsaved or maybe, maybe even those that are poor in spirit. The Lord wants to use you. The Lord wants to use me to reach the one. And you might say to yourself, I, I feel like I don't have anything to give. But you do. And uh, Conroy was talking about it earlier, about um, we have been given the Holy Spirit. And each one of us has the Holy Spirit to offer. Um, I just want to share a scripture from Mark uh, 14, 3 to 9. It's the well-known story of the woman um, anointing Jesus at Bethany. And it starts in verse 3. It says, And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of ointment of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over, this is Jesus' head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was, this anoint, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And wherever you want, you can do good for them. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. We know that Jesus had been affected by, uh, that um, this woman had been affected by Jesus in some powerful way. And I want to suggest that in this context, um, to paint the picture, it's a woman coming into a room probably just full of men, but she's coming in as a, a, a single finite being. And you can see the response from the men is not positive. They probably despised her in that moment. Um, we know that women was, were, um, um, you know, in some cultures, second-class second citizens. So she's coming into that context with a lot of potential fear of man. But as she comes in, she comes in boldly, walks up to Jesus with the ointment. And, I mean, this is Jesus, the Son of God. And pours the, the perfume over his head, and Jesus receives that. Just think about the moment. Who could do that? Who, would, uh, who could have that boldness to, to do that? The significance of that is uh, the anointing of King David in 1 Samuel 16, 13. If you can bring that up. It says, usually this was done by someone in high authority. So in this case, uh, King David is uh, anointed by Samuel. And it says, then Samuel took the, the horn of oil. And Samuel is the prophet of Israel, high authority, and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. So you've got Samuel, this great prophet, recognized with authority, comes in and anoints King David. We see that uh, backstory, that historical precedent. Here we see a random woman, not even named, come in and anoint the Son of God himself. And Jesus himself submits to that with full Submission. I want to suggest that what's actually happening there is that woman is, that's not just a woman being driven by her, her human nature. That is a woman carrying the Spirit of God, that in the Spirit of God is walking into that room boldly and anointing Jesus with boldness. And that's the power of the Holy Spirit for each one of us, as that can empower us to do things that are incredible. 
And that even Jesus in that moment recognizes the, the work of the Holy Spirit and submits to that. And, and, and in that moment, you can imagine as she broke open that perfume, that fragrance must have just filled that room. And we look at the scripture, it's really interesting. It says, uh, this is in 2 Corinthians 2, 15 to 16. For we, that's every single one of us, are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To the one we are an aroma that brings death, to the, un, to the other an aroma that brings life. And our challenge to each one of us is, are we like that woman ministering to Jesus or anointing Jesus rather? Are we like that woman? Are we bringing the aroma of Christ to the one, to those that we're connecting with? Are, do we have the Holy Spirit? We are carriers of the Holy Spirit. Conroy spoke about this a time we had earlier in foundations in the training hall at nine o'clock, and uh, the session was on the Holy Spirit. And the Lord wants us, each one of us, to be filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can bring the Holy Spirit and bring life to the one and to every single situation. And hopefully that's an encouragement to you because you can imagine the pressure in that moment. But uh, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind, that every single one of us can be bold, that every single one of us can minister in power. We just got to let the Holy Spirit do that for us. Uh, Well-known scripture, 1 Corinthians 12, 7, 7 to 8 says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. So to one there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom, to another a message of knowledge, and so on. To each one of us has a spiritual gift that we can bring to the one that we can bring into the room that displays the aroma of Christ, that, the, that, that, that perfume smell can just spread through the room. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for that? Are you ready to say, Lord, I want to be like that woman in that room. I want to I bring the presence of Jesus. Yes? Amen? Um, and, and Jesus would want to motivate us in that. And, che and check your heart right now, because I think some of us, it's always a challenge. We need to, again, back to what Andrew said, do we come to meetings, do we come to situations ready to give, or do we come ready to receive? You know, the challenges is in that, say, for example, in a community context. So we arrive at community, and it's easy to just be attracted to the energy in the meeting. You know, there's a the bunch of cool guys, lots of energy, lots of vibe, you know, the funny guy, the funny girl, and... You know, I used to call Donna, Donna TV, you know, because all the girls like uh, crowd around Donna, and Donna's like, is it? Uh, and that's not a bad thing. But do we just gravitate towards that, or do we come to a meeting and go, who's looking lonely? Who's looking alone? And, 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 and that instance, because if I just hang with Donna, I'm just receiving. But can I come to a meeting to give? Can I go to a meeting and see someone lonely and say, I'm going to sit with them, and I'm just going to... Let the Holy Spirit in me just flow to them. Not from my own strength, but the aroma of Christ come through me. And that's a shift in our thinking, because now we're out looking for the one. Two Corinthians uh, five fifteen to sixteen says, um, "And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was ra raised again." 
So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. And that's the thing is, is, is that we need to look with spiritual eyes. We can't look on the outside. We need to look deeper. We need to look at the spirit man. The Lord would really want to encourage us as a culture, as a congregation to go after the one. Because it's the heart of God. Matthew 18, 12 says, um, what do you think? If a man owns a hundred sheep and one of them wanders away, will he not leave the 99 on the hills and go to look for the one that wandered off? So I can tell you what Jesus is doing in the room at community night. He's, he's probably leaving the vibe and he's probably going after the one that's lonely. And are we going to cooperate with Jesus? And the encouragement that Jesus says uh, to us is Matthew 25, 40. It says, the king, referring to Jesus, will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did it for me. You know, there is some overlap there between as we ministering to someone, we actually in some ways, especially if they are part of the body, that we're actually ministering to Christ. The same way that that woman in the room was ministering to Christ, that in some way we, we, we're like that woman in, that, in, in, in the room in that moment. We're ministering with the Holy Spirit, and it's spirit to spirit. And that is what the Lord wants us to be caught up in, because it's very easy to be not caught up in that. And it takes a deliberate choice on our, on our part to actually go, you know what? I want to be that woman in the room and minister as if I'm ministering to Jesus. Luke 19.10, so the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Um, and Psalm 68 says that he puts the lonely in families. Are we drawing the lonely into families? Are we looking out there? And if I can bring back to where I started about the image of God, there are so many people out there, and even the rich ones, it's not just the poor ones. The rich ones, Jesus said, you, you say that you're rich, but you are poor and wretched. Um, when we look deeper, there is so many lonely out there that don't reflect the image of God. And God wants to get them born again so that they can reflect his image again. And here is what is at stake. And there is a lot at stake. And Revelation 7, 9 says, after this I looked and this is the good side. After this, I looked, and there before me was a great multitude, that's us, that no one could count from every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. That's the happy people. This is the contrast, Revelation 20, 12 to 21, 5. And I saw the dead, great and small, standing before the throne, and books were opened. And it's a somber moment. It's not only a great day, it's a terrible day for many. Another book was opened, which is the book of life. The dead were judged according to what they had done as recorded in the books. The sea gave up the dead that were in it, and death and Hades gave up the dead that were in them. And each person was judged according to what they had done. Then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. The lake of fire is the second death. Anyone whose name was not found written in the book of life was thrown into the lake of fire. You know, it's, 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 I'm going to tell you why. They're thrown into the lake of fire because they no longer reflect the image of God. We've got one chance on this life to be born again and reflect the image of God. 
But until we get born again, until Jesus makes us born again and gives us a new spirit, until that point, we're not welcome in heaven. We actually, the things that are welcome in heaven are the things that reflect him. But look at the positivity of this. God gives us a chance in Jesus. He wants every single one of us to shine spiritually God so that we can come back to Genesis 1.27 and say that we truly reflect the image of God. For those of you that are saved right now, I know myself saved 30 years ago, is that I trust in the Lord, and I know because he's done that work in my heart, that by the blood of Jesus, he has put a new spirit in me, and that when God looks at me, I know because of Jesus' blood that deep inside that my spirit, which has been rejuvenated by the Lord, reflects him, and I look like him. And that's why I'm welcome in heaven. And those that they haven't been rejuvenated, they're still only the remnant. They're still like those beggars in Delhi. They haven't come to life. Jesus hasn't brought them to life. They no longer reflect him. And to some degree, and I know that sounds like pretty hectic, they're worthless because in heaven, things that shine him are things that are welcome in heaven. And that's what we need to do to cry out for the one, is we need to look at the one out there and say, I see what you were before. I see what you were when Adam was original, when he was beautiful and shining and had perfect relationship with God. That's what you used to be like. But now you're dead in your sin. If I look at your soul, there's no light there. If I look at your spirit, there's no light there. And you will end up in the lake of fire if nothing changes because you will no longer fulfill Genesis 1.27. You know, people look, yeah, we need that motivation when we look at them, and then we need to see the hope that is possible. We need to look at them and go, but you can be like Adam was before. You can be like us, and you can start to shine again like what was originally Intended. And that should burn us for the one. Every single person that we see in the streets is a shadow of what was before. But you and me sitting here, by God's grace and by the blood of Jesus, are the thing. We all, single one of us right now, reflect the image of God. Don't um, sell yourself short. But they can too. So I'm hoping that that is a motivation for you. I'm hoping there's a motivation if you, for evangelism. Um, I'm hoping that's a, a motivation for you for reaching the one. Um, encouragement and also the, the fact those that are lonely by positioning yourself to give. The one is valuable. Every single one is valuable. Every single one can reflect the image of God. For some of us, that flame might have burned down a little bit. And maybe you're not shining like you were before. And I would encourage you that get fired up with the Holy Spirit. You know, we prayed for some guys um, this morning and, um, and they just received the life of God. Um, I, I could just see, you know, becoming like that woman in that room. The Lord wants each one of us to be like that, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, ready to give, ready to, to minister. Maybe you could just stand where you are and, um, and why don't we just pray, if you don't mind. I just want to give opportunity for those that may um, 
that, that have heard this message today and they may be a bit confused. So where does that place me, especially if you're new to the church or if you um, have never become a Christian or you were a Christian and you've walked away? What does it mean? Today, there's hope for you. Today is the day of salvation, the Lord says. Today is the day where God can come and rejuvenate your spirit or, or bring your spirit to life for the first time. The Bible warns us that, um, that, um, that every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. Um, and you're either going to do it now or you're going to do it on that great and terrible day. But the problem is on that great and terrible day, it's too late. I would encourage you right now to hear the, the, the good news. And the good news is that Jesus, who's God, came in the flesh to earth. He came to um, pay for your sins. The punishment, uh, the Bible says that sin deserves punishment, that we deserve punishment for our sin. Every bad thing we've done, everything that we've hurt ourselves and hurt others. But Jesus paid for your sin on the cross. He took the effort to leave heaven, come and live a life here, and then be nailed to a cross to take your punishment, to take your sin. And that's how much he loved you. That's how much he wanted to restore you. And if that's you today, I'd ask you to, to put your hope in Jesus today. Cry out to Jesus and ask him to forgive your sins. If you're in need of Jesus today for that, why don't you just put your hand up just where you are right now, and I want to pray a prayer with you. There's a lady over there. Thank you, sir. There's another lady over there. Thank you, ma'am. Anyone else with me? There's two at the back there. That's wonderful. One. Just keep your hands raised. It's wonderful, wonderful. Four, five. Thank you, sir. Just keep your hand raised up. Okay. Why don't we pray with these guys together right now? And just respect the moment. And I just think every single one of you guys that put your hand up right now, look to Jesus right now. Hey, he sees so much potential in you. And he wants to give you life, and he wants to give you life in his fullness. He wants to come into your body right now and put new life and put his spirit inside of your body right now. Maybe you can just, those guys, just keep your hands raised. Maybe just a few guys can just gather around them right now. And let's just pray for them. And why don't we just pray this prayer of salvation uh, all together right now. So I'll just give a few moments just for a few of the leaders and stuff just to go around those guys. You can just put your hand in their shoulder. And why don't we all just pray that beautiful, well-known prayer of salvation that every single one of us uh, needed to pray. Lord Jesus, I come before you today a sinner. I confess my sin. I have no life in me, but you are life. Come into my body, cleanse this temple, and fill me with your Holy Spirit. I acknowledge that you are the Son of God that you came to earth 2,000 years ago to die for my sin. And on the third day, you are raised to life. As you are raised to life, I am today raised to life with you. In Jesus' name.
and let's celebrate. Yeah, let's keep that going, sorry. There's quite a few of us that's given our lives to new spirits, spirits alive. This is something, the heavens are rejoicing with us right now. Amen. Amen. So um, I'm going to just call Lucas to clear. I think we can all have our seats. Um, I just want to thank you, Lord, uh, for what you have done. Uh, thank you for your spirit, and thank you for, thank you that you, con you convict us, Lord. You are our Father, that we, you're not our heavenly uncle. You don't just give us what you want, but you discipline those that you love, and you convict us with the purpose of redeeming us, bringing us back to you, Lord. So we celebrate the work that you've done, Lord. Uh, and Father God, I pray that uh, you fill us with wisdom that we can look well after those that you have entrusted us with, Lord. Uh, we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, so I'm just going to call Lucas quickly before we close. Um, and um, yeah, we just give God thanks for what he's done. But I'm going to call Lucas up. Lucas is just going to speak to us about um, what's going to happen next, like the following Sundays, and then he'll close for us. Amen. So, um, um, can I ask, please, um, is Tanya here? Where's, where's Tanya? Tanya, could you come and just uh, briefly share um, what you shared with me? Also, Annie and Haun, if you can all come up, please. Just share what, what you felt in your heart from the Lord, and then I'm going to share uh, what the Lord spoke to me about in worship and, and what we're going to do next week as a result of that. Um, so... I, um, I went to Lucas and I, I just remembered Lucas sharing a preach once on um, the crowd and the one. And um, it's a little bit in a different context as what Joey spoke today. But I love the fact that he used um, uh, the lady that came to sit at Jesus' feet and poured the, the, um, the oil on him. And uh, I really felt the Lord um, say to me that he's not interested in the crowd that he's called us to be friends and he's interested in the one. He's interested like he did with, um, he was friends with Lazarus, he was uh, friends with Mary, he was friends with Martha. And, uh, and I felt like God say that he's looking for friends of God, um, those that he can call friends. And, and just a drawing near to him, um, not, not a crowd, but... It's personal, and it's intimate, and it's um, knowing him. Yeah. Thank you, Tanya. Um, during worship today, I felt the Lord give me a picture of a couple going on a Valentine's meal. And they both got dressed quite nicely, and they made a booking at a restaurant, and the table is beautiful, and the guy even gave the lady flowers. But they're just sitting there. They're not connecting in any way. So they're not making eye contact, they're not talking, they're not sharing hearts. So it was quite a cold affair, even though it ticked all the boxes. And I felt the Lord say to me, please never come on a Sunday and sit here, hear the word, do the worship, come to the front, jump up and down, but nothing is connecting, nothing is changing, and you go home and you're absolutely unchanged. 
And when you have your quiet time, you can't open your Bible and just read it and say a quick prayer and off you go. And in your own strength, you carry on with your mundane day to day because there is no connection. He is alive. He is a God that speaks to us. He has a mission and a purpose for each one of us. And um, the scripture that I have, sorry, doesn't recognize my face. Is Nahum 1 verse 7. It says, the Lord is good. Not he was good. He is good. He is a strong refuge when trouble comes. He is close to those who trust in him. I think that's a word for me as well. Um, anyway. um, yeah, um, I came early to church, <laughs> and um, I didn't have a couch at home, so I like sitting by the grass area <laughs> and just spending time there, because it's actually quite still and peaceful, and I brought my drawing book along, and one of the things that just, I was yeah, drawing on hope, faith, and love, but for love, what I drew was the thing of anointing and pouring out my love. So that's actually been stuck in my head the whole time. And as we were worshiping, it was stuck in my head, stuck in my head. And then I went to the song that I remembered. And I was like, must I submit this, Lord? <laughs> and I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, and then I asked the Holy Spirit, like, um, if it is you, I hope I'm not just doing this for a performance thing, but I want to submit it. And then I did. Um, and I went to look at and submitted. And the song is, it's a song we've sung before, but the part that caught me is, um, like oil upon your feet, like wine for you to drink, like water from my heart, I pour my love on you. If praise is like perfume, I'll lavish mine on you. <laughs> Till every drop is gone, I pour my love on you. I think this is a really good reminder of what actually we should do, that we should pour our love on him. And I think one of the things for me that he highlighted was, um, he'll never let me down. So, yeah, <laughs> that's it. <laughs> Thank you, guys. I was standing in worship and um, the Lord spoke to me before Tanya came and before Annie came and before Hoen came. And um, I turned and I was watching us worship. And I just felt like there was, like Annie described that um, Valentine's dinner. Like a distance or a coldness. And that an intimacy almost has been lost. Does that make sense? And I felt the Lord say to me, I'm longing for worship. Some of you might have seen me get up and go and talk to Chris. And I, what I said to him was, Chris, it's going so well. It's beautiful praise, you know. But please, can we just worship a little bit? Can we get close? Can we be intimate with the Lord? And as I came down, Tanya came to me and then Annie and then Owen. And I know that the Lord is longing for personal intimacy with us. And so what we're going to do is we're going to respond to the Lord, not now, 
but on Sunday next week. We're going to gather and we're going to have an entire service just dedicated to worship. And we're going to spend time with Him. And we're going to exercise that muscle of worship and intimacy with Him. Does that make sense? And we, we, there might be a little bit of teaching on it to encourage us or remind us. But you're... Um, so I'm very excited about that. And I want to encourage you, come, maybe think about, if you would like to, maybe even fast before Sunday. Um, and in your quiet times, just come before the Lord and, and worship Him this week. And come, come and bring your oil to pour out on our Lord Jesus. Amen? Amen. Joey, yo, you preached so well. Thank you for bringing that. That was so good. Thank you. So good.